Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Jesus, we need you. Spirit, break our walls down. Just completely crush us right now. We can't afford to carry anything of us. We need you, Jesus. We are hungry for you, Jesus. We are desperate for you, Jesus. We have to have you, Jesus. You're the only thing that matters. So God, we push everything else aside, not just for an hour right now, but, but in our lives, everything else, we put you on the highest shelf, on every shelf in our lives. We choose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we say, come Holy Spirit, break out in this place. Do what only you can do. Speak to hearts that are ready to hear your voice, feet that are ready to move to action. We're so in love with you, Jesus. Just soak in that for a moment. Soak in his love, this reckless love that sent his son to die for you. Maybe you're here this morning, you, you don't know this Jesus. He paid the ultimate price. It should have been your price. It should have been your death on that cross. He, he substituted himself for you so that he could reunite, reunite himself with you. You, that person that's made in his image. He loves you that much. If you've never received him, or maybe you're here and you've, you've walked away from him this morning, all, all you need to do, it's, it's simple. There's no magic pill. There's no happy dance. That just comes after you do this. <laughs> all you need to do is turn to him. In your heart, just say, declare Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. So do that right now in this moment. Just let your heart cry out to him. Let your heart return to him. Let him break through. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. Whoo. How's everybody doing? This is a cool podium. This is awesome. We'll test, take it for a test drive today. 
Oh, it's ready. It's ready. It's not a test drive, Phil. This is the real thing. So we're in this uh, series called Tension. And I absolutely love the idea of this series. Um, on Wednesday night, let me give you just a, a quick story. Wednesday night of this last week, I'm putting some finishing touches on, on my message and just wrestling with it, um, praying about it. I'm in the zone, you know. It's, it's just me and Jesus. We're talking. We're writing. I'm thinking. I'm praying. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call. And I answer my phone. Have you ever gotten those calls that someone's so angry that you think they're trying to be funny? <laughs> all right, that was one of these times. So I'm literally, all I can hear is this verbal tirade. Just I'm holding the phone like out here, and this person is just going off on me. And so I thought, at first, I didn't know what to do. I just laughed. Uh, like, I'm being cussed out, and all I could do was laugh. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, this person is serious. And he keeps cussing me out. And um, I don't get a lot of phone calls like that, just, just to let you know. And the thought runs through my mind. This is like in five, ten seconds, this whole call. I try talking some sense into this person and just calming them down for a second. I realize that is going nowhere. And the thought runs through my mind, Chris, you do not have to take this garbage. And so I look at my phone, hit the little red X button, click. Five seconds later, the person calls back, click. <laughs> I text him, I said, hey, when you're ready to calm down and have a conversation, we can talk. And then I went back to finalizing my message with Jesus <laughs> on tension. And I said, thank you, Jesus. What a great icebreaker of a story. <laughs> now, I usually don't hang up the phone on people. I was trying to think of the last time that I've hung up the phone on someone, and I couldn't remember. Hopefully, I've never done it to my wife. Okay, good. Whew. Um, but you see, there are times in our lives when we need to hang up the phone, both physically, in the physical, and in the spiritual sense. Tension. God calls us to live within this thing called tension, and it's something that you and I as humans try to avoid, but God calls us to live within. See, in our physical body, we have tension. We have muscular tension. If your skeletal system didn't have muscular tension, you'd look like Gumby. You'd be flopping around. You wouldn't be able to function properly at all. Um, about three years ago, and I think we I found one picture that relates to this story. It's really cute. There we go. That is Wilder, uh, Heidi and Kip's uh, youngest boy, three years ago, and looking over the beach at Daytona Beach. Uh, three years ago, we took an extended family trip to Florida, and the second day that we were there, some of the, uh, I'll call them younger siblings, decided it would be a great idea to have foot races along the beach. Well, along the way, I had a brilliant idea that I should race Holly. <laughs> right. Now, Holly was just, at that point, just out of collegiate soccer for about a year. Peak physical condition. <laughs> Muscles that had been constantly pushed to the tension max. 
I, on the other hand, had not even bothered to stretch before this race. I remember halfway through the race, I looked over and we were neck and neck, and I'm thinking, I can do this. I just need to find one more gear. And so I dug deep, I like just put her in everything I had, and snap. Have you ever heard a, a hamstring snap? Have you ever heard two of them snap almost simultaneously? Yeah, it was, I was eating sand. The next few days were not fun. Have you ever tried to put on shorts when two of your hamstrings are pulled? I'll spare you the visuals, but it's not, it is not pretty, wiggling into shorts on the floor. Not a pretty thing. But Jesus calls us to live with intention. And it's intention that we find what is beautiful. It's, it's within tension that we find the truth. See, in music, there's tension. Tension must occur within highs and lows, ebbs and flows, minors and majors, before it resolves, right? It's in that tension where there's wonder. It's in there, that tension where there's beauty, and it's in that tension where Jesus asks us to live. The greatest example of tension ever was an eternal father that sent his son to earth. A king that left his heavenly throne as flesh and blood, all so that he could rescue us, those who he had made in his image, all because of extreme love. And Jesus became the second Adam to live among us, as Peyton described before. In the dirt and the struggle of this world, he lived out a perfect life, all so that he could die as a perfect sacrifice for you and me. That is the ultimate tension. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus didn't stay in the grave, did he? That's a story that doesn't go unresolved. The minor notes of death rectify themselves into major chords of resolution. The greatest tension in the history of the world transitioned into the ultimate eternal resolution. Is anyone thankful for the tension of the cross here this morning? Is anyone grateful for the resolution of the grave? I was hoping you'd say yes. All right, we'll get you going. Before we, go, we do, uh, let's, just, let's just pray. Father, would you remove anything of me and just speak through me this morning. I pray that hearts would be open, that they would be ready, that walls would be broken down, ears would be listening, and that feet would be ready to move. Because what you're going to tell us, we can't just sit here and, and take it in internally. We've got to do something with it. If this doesn't produce action in our lives, then it's just worthless. But we know that your word does not return void. We know that there's fruit that is going to be born out of this word today. And so for that, we're thankful and we're grateful and we're excited to receive what you have for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name the entire church said, amen. amen. All right, this message this morning is entitled, Bringing Peace and Swinging Swords. Bringing Peace and Swinging Swords. Sounds awesome. Swords. As, uh, is that Wilder that used to say that? Or, or Stephen. Stephen. Little baby Stephen. 
If you're listening on the podcast, buddy, we're bringing it back. <laughs> bringing peace and swinging swords. So we're going to be talking about some deep and challenging truths today and uh, something that we all need to step forward into. I love it. This is just a freebie. I'm going to toss it out there. I love it when people take notes, whether it's um, old-fashioned pen and paper, whether it's on your phone. Uh, I think it's incredibly powerful. I, myself, I'm just going to do, this is a promo. I don't get paid from them, but I use the Evernote app. Um, it's powerful. It's really good. You can go back. I've gone back three, four years on what stuff that Jesus has spoke to me, and it's searchable. It's so awesome. Free plug for Evernote. There you go. Take some notes. Not about what I say, but what Jesus says to you. Okay, bringing peace and swinging swords. I'm going to tell you two stories today that on the outset don't seem to have anything to do with each other. But we're going to resolve that tension at the end, all right? Joshua 10 and Matthew 10. We're going to let the Old and the New Testaments collide. The best thing ever. So let's start in the Old Testament, Joshua 10. Uh, if you want to flip there, that's fine. Otherwise, I'll just give you the recap. Some of the scriptures will be on the, the screen. So the children of Israel, they uh, had crossed into the Jordan River, crossed over the Jordan River, excuse me, and they found themselves in the promised land that God had given them. But every square inch of the land had to be conquered. Eight years of battles, 31 kings that needed to die. I want you to think about that right now. Maybe you feel like you're in a battle. You're actually in the promised land. But it's a battle. So first, Jericho. Remember the story of Jericho? The walls, miraculously, God made the walls fall down after they marched around the city. Then a city called Ai. Small little town they took for granted, but they lost the first battle because there was sin in the camp. And they had to repent of that sin and then battle them a second time to defeat Ai. And then because of some trickery by the city of Gibeon, they made peace with the Gibeonites. And when the king of Jerusalem heard about Joshua's victory in Jericho and Ai and his partnership with Gibeon, this king formed an alliance with four other kings, Amorite kings, to attack Gibeon and attack the Israelites. So five kings... And their armies marched against Joshua and Gibeon and surrounded them. And the men of Gibeon said, hey, Joshua, don't abandon us now. We need your help. And the Lord said to Joshua, don't fear. I've given them into your hands. Not a single one of them will remain standing. That's a promise for you. So Joshua brings his entire army up from Gilgal, including all his mighty men. Get this, they march uphill all night long and arrive at Gibeon at dawn where, where God completely confuses the five armies and he sends these, this massive hailstorm and the hailstorm ends up killing more of the, of the Amorites than the Israelites do with their own sword. Crazy times. Not only did they march all night long, Joshua in the middle of the day points at the sun, or looks at the sun, or speaks to the sun more accurately, and says, sun, stand still. And Jesus, the, the Lord, allows this to happen. It becomes the longest day ever. They chase the enemy all over the map. They're scattered, smothered, and covered. They go running back to their cities. And in the meantime, the five enemy kings go running away together, and they end up hiding in a cave. 
Now some Israelite soldiers find the kings in a cave, and Joshua says, pile up some stones against the caves, um, and we'll deal with them. Now this is where we pick up, Joshua 10, verse 16. Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave at Makeda. When Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave at Makeda, he said, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. But don't stop. Pursue your enemies. Attack them from the rear and don't let them reach their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. Let's pause our story in Joshua for just a moment and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. There's so much tension going on in this Matthew chapter 10 that we, we, have, we don't have time to go into all of it, so I'm going to point out uh, some of the key things that are going on here. To give you a little background, Jesus is sending out his 12 apostles, and he's giving them instructions. Matthew 10, uh, starting at verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. So Jesus says, give as freely as you've received, but don't take any money or stuff with you. What? Give as freely as you've received. Don't take anything with you. What? Talk about tension. This is foundational for our lives as, as followers of Jesus. We must get this correct. And this is where I want to camp out and come back to and focus on and engrave on our hearts. See, it's when you carry nothing of yourself. When you carry nothing of yourself, only then can you carry everything of him. Give as freely as you have received. You are a distribution center of the Spirit of God. And the reason that you and I may have a giving problem is that we may have a receiving problem. If you're a distribution center for the Spirit of God, then you should be receiving love, and joy, and peace, and patience, so on, so forth, the fruits of the Spirit, and only after you've received something can you then distribute something. Am I making sense? If the shelves on your life are bare, then it's only because you have not received the goods first. You cannot give away what you do not have. And if you bring anything of yourself, it's completely worthless. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and you're looking for that favorite item of yours except you see the space on the shelf where it should be and it's not? You know what I'm talking about. It's completely out of stock. And it's not because that item doesn't exist, right? You know it exists. You've had it before. You love it. It's your favorite thing. You've tasted it. You've experienced it. It's not an existence problem. It's a distribution problem. And I think sometimes you and I have a distribution problem. We cannot give because we have not received. See, you and I are the carriers 
of the Spirit of God, right? We are his temple. Shouldn't we be full of the fruit of the Spirit? Your cubicle, your, your office at work should be the most loving workspace in central Illinois. Your classroom should be the most joy-filled classroom in this area. Your drive to work, get this one, your drive to work should be filled with the most kindness. I'll leave it there. The way you treat your server at the restaurant should be with the most goodness of anyone else in the restaurant. You should be the most gentle parent in your neighborhood. You should be the most faithful employee that anybody knows. We cannot give because we have not received. At my place of employment, we have a receiving department and we have a shipping department. We cannot ship anything out until we've received the raw goods first. And I wonder how many times in our lives the shelves are bare because we have not allowed ourselves to receive from our Father what he wants to give us. Not only wants to give us, but he is giving us and we're rejecting it. And instead we experience guilt and shame and fear and lust and anger and envy only because we haven't fully received the promises that he's offering to us. We cannot give because we have not received. Jesus continues on with his instructions to the apostles, uh, verse 11. He says, whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Jesus says, look for a worthy person wherever you go. Look for a home of peace. Another version says, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let the peace return to you. So when you find a home of peace, bless it with a blessing of peace. But if it's not worthy, take back the blessing of peace. That's some tension there. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. You see, if you're carrying nothing of yourself, and you're carrying only Jesus, then you can bring his peace. Amen? Now, peace is the presence of the goodness of God. Let that sink in. The presence of the goodness of God. That's what he tells us to bring. That's what he tells us to find homes of, find people that are worthy to carry that spirit. And if you're bringing peace, if you're bringing the presence of the goodness of God, when that peace you carry runs into a spirit that's opposed to it, when you encounter that spirit, Jesus says, that Greek says, violently shake. It's not like a dusting of your sandals at the beach. The Greek for shake is, is this violent action of shaking that dust off of your feet. In other words, hang up the phone. 
you cannot afford for the dust of that spirit to stick to your feet. Your feet are to bring peace. Your feet are to carry the presence of the goodness of God. Multiple times throughout the Bible, it refers to our feet, our shoes, carrying peace. In Ephesians, the armor of God, we're to have the shoes of peace. See, if we can't walk in peace, we can't carry his presence with us, then we'll never be able to swing our sword and go into battle. In Isaiah 52, 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of a messenger who proclaims peace, who brings good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Luke 1, 79 talks about guiding our feet to the path of peace. So Jesus says in Matthew 10, give as freely as you have been given. Bring peace, the presence of the goodness of God into every situation that you encounter. And if anything that you encounter rejects the spirit of Jesus that you are bringing, shake that dust violently. Hang up the phone. Let's skip ahead a few verses in Matthew 10. And what Jesus says next is absolutely stunning. Some serious tension. Jesus has just instructed us to bring peace, and then he says this, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. What? <laughs> don't imagine that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, here's the catch. You are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. That's some serious tension. The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, says, hey, don't be mistaken. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I'd like to propose to you that when you and I are carriers of peace, when we step forward with the presence of the goodness of God, that when his peace that we carry encounters a different spirit, it creates war. See, the peace of Jesus that we carry creates conflict. When the spirit of Jesus collides with the spirit that does not receive him, that is war. It's a one-sided war, but it's war. See, peace is not the lack of something. It's not a home. It's not a blank place or a void, a place of void or nothingness. Peace is the presence of the goodness of God. Are you catching this? And as a Christ follower, where you set your feet to is the place that you are bringing peace to. It's the place that you're bringing his presence to. And see, if you carry nothing of yourself with you, that has to be where you start from. You have to leave yourself behind. If you cling to your life, you lose it, he says. You have to only carry 
Jesus. And I'd like to propose to you that peace is a place of going to war. That is why you must shake the dust from your feet when the peace you bring, the presence of Jesus, you bring encounters something that is contrary to him. You've just bought, brought peace into a full-scale war. Now, don't get me wrong, not against flesh and blood, not against people. Jesus died for people, but there is, listen to me very carefully, there is darkness, spirits that are attached to some people, and that is what we war against. This is the dust that we need to shake off when we encounter it so that it doesn't stick to us because we cannot take anything with us other than Jesus. John 16, 33, you know this verse. This is in the Amplified, though. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. See, the peace of Jesus that overcomes the world is war. Philippians 4.7, Mike used this verse last week. You all know this verse. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That word guard is the Greek phureo. And it means like a military soldier to actively, actively display whatever defensive, okay, that makes sense, and offensive means are necessary to guard your heart and mind. His peace is what gives you the strength and courage to swing your sword. All right, remember the story of Joshua that we first started talking about? Nobody? Yeah. Okay, whew. I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure I talked about that. We're going to go back to Joshua 10. Five kings, they're in the cave. The armies scattered all over the, the countryside. And Joshua says, roll large rocks against the mouth of the cave. Post some men there, there to guard it, but don't stop. Pursue your enemies. Attack them from the rear, and don't let them reach their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. That's Joshua 10:19. That verse has become very special to me in the last few weeks. In the Hebrew, literal Hebrew translation, Joshua is saying this to his soldiers. And I want you to take this personally, like Jesus is saying it to you today, because he is. He says, and you, do not stay there, but pursue your enemies and attack the rear guard. Do not allow them to enter your cities. For Yahweh, your God, has delivered them into your hand. Hello? And you, do not stay there. See, the enemy, I've got some news for you. You're not going to hear on CNN or Fox. The enemy is on the run. In Peoria, Illinois, the enemy is on the run. And it's time to pursue them. The job is not done. I'm talking about peace, and I'm talking about war. The kingdom of darkness does not like this message today because we're coming after them. See, you've received peace. 
You're bringing nothing of yourself. You're walking out peace. You're bringing the presence of the goodness of God. And when you encounter a spirit that rejects the prince of peace that you're bringing, violently shake that dust off your feet. Hang up the phone. You cannot allow that spirit to become attached to you. But now is not the time to stop. Just like in Joshua 10, the enemy is being scattered. The enemy is on the run. And you do not stay there, but pursue your enemies and attack the rear guard. Do not allow them to enter the cities. Do not allow them to enter your homes. Do not allow them to enter your workplaces. Do not allow them to enter central Illinois. Their time is done. For Yahweh, your God, has delivered them into your hand. Whose hand? Your hand. It's time to pursue our enemies and attack. We cannot stay where we are. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against people. We love people. But our fight is very real against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And those spirits are on the run. But we cannot stay flat-footed. We must pursue our enemies. Bring peace and swing our swords. Joshua continues. So Joshua and the Israelite army continued the slaughter and completely crushed the enemy. They totally wiped out the five armies except for a tiny remnant that managed to reach their fortified towns. Then the Israelites returned safely to Joshua at the camp at Makeda. After that, no one dared speak even a word against Israel. Then Joshua said, remove the rocks covering the opening of the cave and bring the five kings to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. When they brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of his army, come and put your feet on the necks of the kings. And they did and as they were told. Don't ever be discouraged or afraid. Joshua told his men, be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies. Then Joshua killed each of the five kings and impaled them on five sharpened poles where they hung until evening. No mercy, brutal punishment, Old Testament style. And I'd like to propose to you today that we need to have some no mercy, brutal, Old Testament style judgment to the spirits of judgment that have been in this place for too long. We need to take our feet of peace and put them on the necks of some kings, some evil spirits, and end them. Brutal murder. I'm talking about our enemy. You, you know you have a real enemy, right? <laughs> as real as the, touch the person next to you. As real as the person next to you. You have a real enemy, a roaring lion that is seeking to devour you, to devour your children, to devour this church, and he commands a host of demons, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness, and those kings need to die. We cannot afford any mercy on our enemy. For so long, we've dabbled in stuff that we should not be dabbling in. We cannot let him have a foothold in our lives regardless of how small. We cannot let the devil have one square inch against our families. We cannot allow the kings that have ruled our cities for so long to be able to survive. There is no mercy for the devil. When peace, the peace that we bring 
meets a spirit that is opposed to Jesus, it must die, period. But here's the good news. Satan has power, (laughs) but I know a stronger one. We fight from a place of victory, don't we? Remember what God told told Joshua? I'm going before you. I've already won the battle. You, You have to actually fight it, yes, but they're on the run. Now let's finish the job. And you and I need to bring our feet of peace on the necks of these kings and swing our swords. Romans 16, 20 says it the best. Paul says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Whose feet? Your feet. Come on. No, it's not. Come on. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That is a promise that you need to claim. That is a promise that you need to walk out. And we need to place our feet on the necks of these principalities and powers and allow God to crush Satan through our feet of peace. See, the peace that you bring initiates a war that you will win. The peace that you bring initiates a war that you will win. Why don't you stand up with me for a moment? We're far from done. Don't check out on me. Let's just close our eyes so that you can focus on the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Don't worry about the person to the left or the right of you or behind you or in front of you. And if you're comfortable, just open your hands as a symbol of your heart receiving this word today that you're ready to do what he's telling you to do. What dust do you need to shake off? What dust are you encountering that may be on your shoes that you need to violently shake off? That doesn't match up with the peace, the presence of the goodness of God. Break it off right now in Jesus' name. Just break it off right now in the spiritual realm. There may be some things in the physical, in the natural realm you need to do later on, but right now in the spiritual realm, break that spirit off of yourself. In Jesus' name. What king is in your cave that you need to put an end to? Maybe it's been there for a while. End it right now. Take your feet of peace, put it on the neck of that king and end it. We say that those spirits have no power over you. Those generational curses that that are attached are no longer, they're broken off in Jesus' name. Whatever those may be, end it. What city do you need to defend? What do you need to do to protect your family, not for just from a defensive standpoint, but from an offensive standpoint against the enemy? Because he's cunning 
and he's crafty. And if he can't get in one way, he'll try another way. And you have to protect your marriage, your children, your family, your relationships, your friendships, this church from the attacks of the enemy by bringing nothing of yourself, nothing of yourself, and all of Jesus. What are you bringing? What is your life bringing right now? Is it full of you or is it full of the Prince of Peace? Jesus says if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. God, I believe that we're within some people right here that are their open hands signify open hearts, which signify open lives. They don't want to take anything of themselves. They want to freely receive from you so that they can freely give, so that they can freely walk forward, step forward in your presence, in your goodness, in your peace. And by doing so, attack the enemy. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing right now in the spiritual realm, for decisions that are being made in these hearts. Your, your Holy Spirit is pricking people right now with what they need to do, both in the natural and the supernatural. God, would you, would you break off the lies that have been there for generations? Would you break off uh, poverty mindsets? Would you break off fear? Lust has to go. End it. Envy. <laughs> We're trying to live somebody's life so much of the time instead of living our own. Envy's gone. We're done with you. God, anger, I, I pray that you would just break the chains of anger off somebody right now. Greed. Whatever it is, break that off in the spiritual. Jesus can do that. He, he is the one with the power. He is the stronger one. The devil is no match for him. He's already been defeated at the cross. That's the thing. He's already been defeated. You're walking in the promised land. Thank you, Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Stay standing. Here's the thing. I can't stay on this stage. You can't stay where you're standing. You need to go. You need to bring peace. You need to bring nothing of yourself. See, this is peace and this is war. Give as freely as you've received. Don't take anything with you except for Jesus. You are bringing peace. You are at war. And you can't let them back into your city. You can't let them back into your homes. You can't stay here. You can't stay flat-footed. You've got to take your sword and destroy the enemy and bring the greatest weapon 
forever the presence of the goodness of God, the peace of Jesus. See, you're a carrier of the peace of Jesus. Did you know that Peoria is named after an Indian tribe? Piwarwiwa. That's literally the name of the tribe. Piwarwiwa. I'm, I'm glad they shortened it to Peoria. But Peoria means carriers. You are a carrier of the peace of Jesus. And I'm declaring in the spiritual realm this morning that we are carriers of the presence of the goodness of God. And we can't stay here. So I think we need to move our feet this morning as a, as a declaration, as a sign of something that we're going to do in the spiritual Sometimes you need to move physically in order to declare something supernaturally. So would you just move your feet forward this morning? However that looks like, just come on forward. I think we need to declare this. There's spirits that are trembling right now because they know they're done. They got to move on. Maybe find a dark hole in the ocean somewhere. We're carriers. <laughs> We're declaring peace, Jesus. We're, we're declaring that we are carrying peace. We're moving our feet towards places of peace. And when that peace of yours encounters something that's not of you, we shake the dust and you go to war. And then we take that city, that place, that neighborhood, that home, that school that office building, that place of employment for your name. We've got to go. And you do not stay there, but pursue your enemies. We've got to move our feet. We've got to go. Let's sing this out. Let's declare this today. Let's make this the, the declaration of the day, the declaration of the year. Thank you so much for listening. Over the next seven weeks, we will be sharing with you our characteristics. Characteristics are simply values. Most people have values that they stand by. Many businesses have values and most churches also do. We have values too. We just call them characteristics. Characteristics are simply our DNA, the things that guide us. The reasons the leadership team makes the decisions that they do are often based on these characteristics. For seven weeks, we will add one new characteristic each week to our podcast so that you better understand who Church 214 is and what guides us. Thank you so much for listening. So five weeks ago, my husband and I, um, well, in the beginning of 2018, um, <laughs> God called us to foster care. And um, if someone would have said that to me three years ago, I would have been like, no, that doesn't fit my perfect box. And God said, yep, it's not about your perfect box. It's about bringing me glory. And so five weeks ago in five days, we um, got our first placement um, beautiful, beautiful 10-month-old baby, um, and 
then five days after we received our first placement, my husband left for five weeks and it was just me and two boys. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world am I going to do? <laughs> and um, that's when the church showed up. It's when, you, it's when you guys started walking among me. That's when you, you showed up my, <laughs> the wolf family showed up over and over and over again. Stephanie brought me a rocker to rock my baby in. And she brought me meals, and I texted her in the middle, not the middle of the night, but literally the middle of dinner time, and was like, can you please just come hold my baby? He's screaming. And, and people showed up with coffee because a mama needs coffee when she's tired, right? And Chick-fil-A because, yeah, I need some Chick-fil-A too. <laughs> and, and the layman family who hardly know me said, come on into my home, sit on my basement floor, and let your kids touch my walls with spaghetti hands and dig the spaghetti in your carpet. Come on, guys, this is what living among each other looks like. It looks like when you lose someone or when you're sick, you show up with a meal. You don't even ask questions. You text them and say, hey, I'll be there at 5 o'clock. We have a meal train set up for that. If you're not a part of that and you're interested in being a part of that, come chat with me, and I'll connect you with that right person. It looks like getting up at 6 a.m. and meeting in Starbucks and filling it with a bunch of godly men living and walking among one another. That's what that looks like. That could go on and on and on. It's opening your home. It's having a, sharing a meal with someone at your table and opening your heart and getting to know someone. Intros is the Greek word for among, and it means inside. And we want to live inside of each other's lives. We don't just want to pass you by on Sundays. We want to know you. We want to know your face. We want to know your story. And sometimes it looks like you opening your home, approaching someone you don't know, someone you've never talked to before, saying, hey, you know what? I'm free Tuesday night. I'm just going to order some pizza, and we're going to eat on paper plates. And I just want to hear your story. And I want to see the face of Jesus when I look at you. That's what among us. That's what we do. And so I just want to encourage you today, don't let the opportunity pass you by. Today, at the end of service, I want you to find someone you don't know and say, can we get coffee? Can I bring a meal over? How can I serve you? How can I live among you? That's what I want you to do today. Okay? Can you do that? It's really simple. Really simple. And it's for everyone. It's not like, oh, that's just not my gift. I can't do that. Well, guess what? You're going to miss out on community if you don't decide I'm going to do that. So if you had a prick in your spirit at all, walk in obedience and do whatever you feel like God's called you to do. I'm just going to seal this in a prayer. Jesus, you created us to live in community. You created us to live in relationship. Definitely a relationship between us and you, but you also wanted relationships built between us and others. And so, God, I just pray right now, God, I just pray unity over our church. Lord, I pray that hearts will be open to start hosting people and loving people well. God, we, that we would start seeing each other's needs, Lord, and fulfilling them, not because they were asked to be fulfilled, but just because we were sensitive to the Spirit and we acted on the Spirit. God, we just seal this in your name. God, whatever your spirit prompted, God, we pray that we would walk that out in obedience. And it's in your name we pray.